We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to A Taste of Romamu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romamu, please visit romumu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. So this thing <clears throat> called tshuva, this word tshuva, which is usually translated um, in a way that most of us, I mean, most of us don't use this word in our living reality. Repentance? Does anybody ever use that like on a regular Wednesday afternoon? I'd love for you to repent. I ordered a venti, and there's going to be repentance here in this Starbucks. Repentance is happening. Penitence, repentance. Chuva. Chuva means, literally means to return something. Lashiv. In modern Hebrew, if you ask somebody for an answer, an answer is a chuva. You ask them a question, they give you a response. A chuva. Chuva, the word chuva means to return or to bring back to its original place, to return what's been lost. It could also be something that you owned and then someone else took it and by the time the Bible gets done with the word tshuva, it literally means being back where you started. Repentance? There's something about that word which gets lost in the entire energy of the high holidays. Repentance, to repent, which means to know how to respond, to be response-able to give the right answer to the question, whatever the question might be, is to find the right tshuva. And more often than not, the question that we're dealing with at this time of the year is, is forgiveness possible? Lost in all of the language of returning and the notion that forgiveness is a return to some place. And that forgiveness is what's at stake. Forgiveness is what's available. Forgiveness is what isn't available. Forgiveness. Slicha, mechila, kapara. Those three Hebrew words for we can be in a forgiving relationship again. We can forgive. So we started a silent retreat. I think it was feels like a month ago, but I think it was two weeks ago. Up at Isabella Friedman, the first ever taste of the Romamu Yeshiva, God willing, which will be happening in this coming June. And 46 people sat around as the very amazing teacher, Sarah Chandler, invited everybody to break the ice with this question. I want to break some ice with all of you. I'm not feeling icy right now. I just want to put out a question, which is, she said, finish this question as a metaphor and throw it out. What does it look like? So we did this. And the question was, resisting resisting forgiveness is like. 
Resisting forgiveness is like. Take a moment, everybody. Close your eyes. If you're already sleeping, you're doing 100% what I want right now. It's good. Resisting forgiveness is like. Take another 15 seconds. Then we're just going to like open it up. And those who are watching us on home, you know, just shout it out to your computer screen and just share it with a friend. Who wants to go first? Somebody. Resistance to forgiveness. Resisting forgiveness is like. Swimming in quicksand. This is participatory moment. Resisting a hug. Keep it coming. A wall. Human, all too human. Stagnation. Stepping in gum. Latting down the hatches. Walking on eggshells. Carrying a heavy heart. Stuck in karma. Believing everyone that I won't be taken care of. Being like Sisyphus. Letting someone letting someone live rent free in your mind. Tomorrow morning, the Torah wants to take up this question with us and for us because it does that every year because every year at this time of the year we're going to read the same portions no matter where we are and every year exactly this moment in our calendar we're going to be reading tomorrow morning when you go out to war against your enemies and Kitetse will give us many 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 laws and we'll arrive at chapter 23 in our book of How to Live a Holy Life. And verse 8 in chapter 23 will say, Lo adomi ki Do not abhor, do not hate the Edomite, for he is your brother. Lo mitzri. Do not hate an Egyptian, for you were once a refugee in his land. The children that they will have, in the third generation, give them three generations and then they can join the community. You get three generations, the Torah says, to hold on to your grudge. Three generations to remember that in the biblical story, male children were thrown into the Nile, horrible things were done. Three generations you get to honor the ark of sometimes very healthy fear of forgiveness. Some very healthy resistance to saying it's okay. Three generations. 
before the Torah says, that's it. If you want to know what it is to be free, if you want to know what it is to leave Egypt, then you must let the Egyptian in. If you want to know what it's like to be fully out of Egypt, then invite the fullness of Egypt in. Where is your strength? Says the Torah. On the third day of the silent retreat, as we were sitting around and silently eating and silently loving and silently struggling and silently walking and not so silently sitting with a group of, of seekers in, in a yurt, kind of a little tent, and we had been talking about all these really beautiful things about Shuvah and returning and repairing and finding. And she raised her hand and she said, how do I know when I'm ready to forgive? How do you know when you're ready to forgive? The Torah doesn't outlaw holding a grudge. The Torah doesn't say you should already at day one forgive. The Torah doesn't say to us that the journey towards forgiveness won't take time. But could the Torah have given us a better example of someone who we should not forgive than the Egyptian? Could the Torah have given us a better picture? I mean, brilliant. Really? And for what? Let's just make sure we understand the Torah's advice here. What is the Torah saying about this forgiveness? What should be the linchpin of this forgiveness? Why should I forgive him? The Torah says very explicitly, You were a refugee. In other words, they were kind to you at one point. Wasn't there kindness there? In fact, this Egyptian clause, this clause for the Mitzri, is so starkly different than the verse that preceded it, where the Ammonites and the Moabites, the Ammonim and the Moabim, were actually excluded from ever entering into the children of Israel's sanctum. And the question, of course, what's the difference between the Ammonites and the Moabites? And says Rashi and some other commentators in the, in the 11th century and others said, you see, a little bit of kindness. If someone was kind to you once, if someone gave to you once, there's some place in us that says, I can forgive. It's impossible for a rabbi, a priest, a friend, a father, a mother, a daughter, a sister. It's impossible for any human being to stand in one another person's shoes and say, when you're ready to forgive. That's the work that we do. But what an amazing invitation tonight. What an amazing invitation. Resistance to forgiveness is like. Is resistance to forgiveness like not being able to forgive people who oppressed us for 400 years, is that what it feels like? What is resistance to forgiveness? Ad, what's the length that we need to go to to be free? I'll tell you something. In our lives, in my life, in yours, I often think about what it is that keeps us from taking a step outside of our comfort zone. 
often I think to myself, what is it that is holding me back or someone else back from being able to invite something brand new into their life? And more often than not, it's because there's something that has not yet been finished. There's a resentment. The word resentment is from the French, resentire, to re-feel something over and over again. We come to these high holidays, as we do to almost all, with a whole slew of people and lists of things that we have not yet forgiven. Paths that we can't fully come to terms with. Situations and conditions that were beyond our control that we still feel we can change by not forgiving them. Thich Nhat Hanh, apparently the Vietnamese monk, said that forgiveness or not forgiving, put it this way, he said forgiveness is giving up the hope to have had a different past. I'm very touched by that thought that forgiveness has to do with becoming true with what is. So my friend Nancy Flam, Rabbi Nancy Flam, who led the retreat with me, she lost both of her parents this year. And she was sitting and holding the space with everyone, talking about forgiveness and talking about unfinished business and talking about truth, which is Romamu's theme for this high holiday period, awakening truth, touching what's true. And she said, I had a brilliant realization, she said, in understanding the nature of the mourner's prayer, the Kaddish. We say, Yit Kadal Vit Kadash, may be glorified and exalted be the name, Shmei Rabbah, the great name, Bealma Diverachirute, in the world that is as it is. And then we usually just run into Vayamlich Malchute, and may God's kingship be, His sovereignty, that sovereignty of the divine be lifted up, may be crowned. She said, what if we paused after Bi'alma Divarachirute? What if we said, glorified and exalted be the name in the world as it is? with the history of the slavery that we endured, but this third generation Egyptian is here, and love is possible as it is. In the world 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 that I received, in the world that I lived through, in the world and in the experiences and in the relationships and in the conditions and in the circumstances and the events and all of the... Mm, could have been different, should have been different, why wasn't it different, and you hurt me, and the alma di verachirute. Breath. In the world that I have. How long are we going to let people live in our hearts, rent-free? In our minds, rent-free? Now, I'm asking that. And I hope you're not going to walk out and say, like David said, that we have to forgive everyone now because it says in the mourner's cottage. And no, I'm just with you. Because I got my own stuff that I'm thinking about this high holiday. So how am I going to forgive that hurt? How am I going to let go of that story? 
How am I going to see the blessing that was there, the kindness that was before, and the kindness that can be brought after? How am I going to forgive and stop walking through quicksand or karma or batting down the hatches? It's the work of tshuva. That's what it means to ask the right question and to ask for the right response. Tshuva is the process of answering the fundamental question, which is, what would I feel like, live like, if I could forgive and be forgiven? We have two weeks until that process will begin in deep earnest. Two weeks until Rosh Hashanah, two weeks until the 10 days of turning, two weeks to ask those questions. So tonight, wherever you're going to be, it's now quarter to eight, about 8, 15, 8, 30, we're all going to think, okay, I wonder where everybody is, and enter into a conversation about what resistance to, to tshuva, to forgiveness might feel like. Where are places in your life where you're not going to forgive for a third or fifth generation? And other places where you're just about at that point. 